Hey, uh, welcome to Bible study. It's good to see everybody. It's great <laughs> to have you here, Tim. That was so heartfelt. I had to respond. Thank you. Well, it's good to see everybody. We're going to take some time and pray, and then we will, and then we will get started with the Bible study. So let's pray. Father, thanks for. Uh, a good day. We thank you, God, uh, for a time to meet, a place to meet. We thank you for your presence here. We've gathered in the name of Jesus. Uh, we've gathered to hear from you. And we ask you that uh, we'd have ears to hear tonight what you have to say to us by your Holy Spirit. I just pray, God, that we'd be challenged. I pray that we would be, in some ways, uh, really brought to a place of decision and change tonight. And so I just ask you, Father, that you have your way. Uh, and I pray I yield myself uh, as a teacher tonight uh, to your will and your purposes. I pray, God, that you would use me. I pray your anointing uh, on me as I, I teach tonight. And I pray for all of us that as we receive and as we give one to another, that, God, our words would be anointed, they'd be seasoned. And I pray, Father, that you would use each of us to encourage and to teach one another tonight. God, thanks for your presence. Thanks, God, for your love over us. And I pray, Father, that you'd teach us and your word would be real and powerful and uh, that we'd receive all you have for us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you have your Bibles, let's open up to Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4. And as we're doing that, if... Uh, you are a listener of our podcast. We have an interactive feature so that you can participate with us during this time. Uh, we use a website at www.speakpipe.com slash Monday Night Bible Study. And that's all one word. And you'll find a button to toggle there. And when you toggle that button, there's all kinds of instructions. And you can leave us a message. And we just found out last week, if you want to edit your message to us, you can do that before you send it. And so, really, there's nothing to lose. Uh, you can try something out. If you like it, send it. If you don't, try again. We'd just love to hear from you. Uh, even a high uh, question you might have, something God's been speaking to you, you want to contribute something to what was being taught, uh, whatever it is, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Just want to tell us where you're from. Well, we'd love to hear from you. So... Uh, avail yourself of that at speakpipe.com. Exodus chapter 4 and verse 11. I need a volunteer to read verse 11. Tim, you want to read it? Oh, sorry. Who started reading over there? Who was reading? Did someone start reading? They did. You can read next week. All right, go ahead, Tim. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? All right, thanks for reading that. And uh, what, what really struck me about this verse is it answers probably some questions that people have sometimes about why people are blind or can't speak or deaf or whatever. And uh, this verse speaks to that in the context that God's speaking to Moses in and says it's him, that he does it. 
and he has his reasons for it. He has his time for it, and that's all there is to it. So uh, I, I thought that was interesting because a lot of times we attribute uh, some of that to the work of the devil, which I believe it can be. But I also believe, and, and the reason I believe that is because of Jesus' ministry uh, when he would cast out uh, demons that were causing deafness or demons that were causing people to be mute or, or demons that were causing people to be blind. Uh, there was a deliverance ministry involved in it. So uh, I thought that was it interesting that the means by which Jesus chose to bring about a, a restoration into somebody's life or a miraculous move into somebody's life were the means that he chose to bring it about. But from the very beginning, kind of interesting as God was teaching Moses, he is the Lord. And so who makes the mouth? He does. Who who causes or who allows for or who brings about deaf, blind, and mute? He does. And uh, that what that does is that it begins to challenge a couple of things in us. And this is what I wanted to pray for while I was praying specifically, what I was praying for at the beginning, is I pray that we get challenged. And I want to challenge the mindsets, and I want to challenge the way we see things, because in the end, what I'm really believing for tonight is more faith for you to believe God to move in people's lives in these areas. That's what I'm praying for. And so I pray that that's what takes place as we look through these verses tonight. So this is the context of this is Moses, who was resistant to God. He was being resistant to God's call and resistant to God's purpose in his life. And so I want you to consider that this is the conversation that's going on. God had called him, and we have reason to believe that there's some time had passed between God speaking to him at the bush, the shrub, the briar bush, and at this point right here where he's talking to him. And so... Moses is being resistant to what God told him that he was going to do, his call. So you say, all right, this is what I have for you. This is what I want you to do. And Moses is saying, well, um, all right, but, you know, I, I don't speak so well. And he described himself, he's not eloquent, or, and he described himself as slow of speech. That's how he described himself. And we don't know if he was always that way or if he became that way. But we know that his profession, the work that he was doing, contributed to that. What do I mean by that? What was Moses at this point? Shepherd. A shepherd. How long had he been a shepherd? 40 Approximately 40 years. Now, shepherds, who do they hang out with? Sheep. sheep. They hang out with sheep. And they take them out, and they graze their sheep. And they don't really have a lot of contact with human beings. All right? And so they're out on the backside of the countryside or wherever they happen to be with their sheep. And they're walking around with them and their sheep are grazing. And, and they have uh, this uh, solitary existence, which Moses had been practicing for approximately 40 years. And so whether or not he showed up to Midian slow of speech, we don't know. Whether or not he showed up to Midian, not very eloquent, we don't know. But one thing we do know is that he was on the backside of whatever the desert was around Midian or whatever the, the grazing lands were around Midian 
with his sheep by himself for a long, long, long period of time. We know that. And the reason that's important is because there's a natural result of a shepherd's life. And the natural result of a shepherd's life is that you have no occasion and no real need to speak to people. And because you have no occasion or no real need to speak to people, you become slow of speech and not as eloquent. Now, what does that say to you? What does that say to me? You think about the idea of being able to form your ideas into words and being able to communicate that to somebody. That's important. Whether you think it, whether you value it, or you don't value it, and what God has called every single one of us to do, that's important. And, and, and I don't know how you grew up. I don't know all of the details of your life. I, I don't have any answers, really, for that. I mean, Dr. Phil probably does. You can contact him directly about it. But you probably grew up in some way, somehow, and, and maybe people in your family didn't talk. I don't know. Maybe they did. Maybe you just didn't talk. Maybe you talked too much. Maybe uh, however you grew up, you grew up. But what I'm trying to say is, is that God, as he calls us, and, and all of us are called to do the work of an evangelist. All of us are called into the harvest field. All of us have been anointed. All of us have been sent forth. Go you, you, me, therefore, teach all nations, baptize preach and to teach and and to share our faith all of us every single one of us and so Moses when he's called he resists the call because he knew he was slow of speech well he was slow of speech because of what he'd been doing for the last 40 years and there may be reasons why you are shy or slow of speech or you have trouble forming your ideas into words. There may be reasons for that. But the encouragement that I want to give you tonight is that we, we need to practice the things that God's called us to. We need to practice the gifts that God's given us. We need to practice the things that God has brought into our life to anoint us with and, and to bring us forth. I know you don't think of it that way. I know you don't. You don't think of it like, wow, I really need to, to practice the, the prophetic utterance. Well, you do. I really need to practice healing. Well, you do. I really need to practice the, 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 the type of teaching anointing that God's put on me. I need, really need to practice the preaching. I need to practice the evangelism that God has placed in me and, and God's called me to. Well, you do. We all do. And if you're the type of person that you don't like to talk, you need to begin to put yourself in situations where you need to talk. Because talking is important. Because communication is important. A lot of the things that we do as Christians, it comes out of our mouth. And it's an important thing that to be a part of that and to be able to express ourselves verbally. It's important. And so if you're a type of person that has naturally not done things like that, you need to begin to think about it differently. I mean, I think about, well, what can I do to prepare myself? What can I do to enhance this work that God has called me to? What can I do to put myself in a better position? 
So I'm not a mute, a functional mute. Or maybe you have trouble listening or paying attention so that you're not a functional deaf person. And and that's no disrespect to people who are mute or deaf. Or maybe you don't pay attention to what's going on around you and you're functionally blind because you don't see things that other people see. Do you understand what I'm saying? You don't hear what other people hear. You don't say what you're called to say. But we need to practice those things. Well, Andy, they're part of the natural senses. Yeah. And why are you so bad at it? I'm not looking at anybody when I said that. (laughs) But why are you so bad at it? If it's part of the natural senses, well, sure it is. Well, that doesn't mean you're good at it. It doesn't mean you're, you're proficient at it even. Much less excelling and gifted. It comes as we practice the things that God has given us. That's where it comes from. You know, Paul told Timothy, fan into flame the gifts of God that are in you. And I don't know of any other better way to fan into flame things that are in us than to use them and, and to practice those things, to keep them fresh and sharp and ready to go at all times. I don't know any better way to do that. In that fan into flame verse, I want you to think about that for a second. Paul was instructing Timothy to do something about it. He was instructing him to make an effort To make an effort with the gifts. To make an effort toward the gifts that God had placed within him through the laying on of his hands. In other words, it wasn't good enough to let them lie dormant. It wasn't good enough to just let them hang out somewhere and not use them. And Paul knew as well as as anybody that that has, has let their gifts lie dormant for a while that you begin to get more and more dull over time. You know that. Paul knew that. And he was speaking to Timothy, who was figuring it out as a young Christian. He was figuring it out. A young man. So, we need to practice. So, maybe you need to practice talking. Maybe you need to practice shit putting ideas out verbally. Maybe some of that's writing, but some of that's got to be speaking. Maybe you need to practice listening sometimes. If you're not a good listener, and maybe you're not, just admit you're not. And listen. Put yourself in situations where you have to listen. Quiz yourself on what's being talked about. You know, every now and then, do I have any idea what this person is talking about? If you don't, listen harder. Do I know where they're talking about right now? Do I know, have any location, any idea of location? If you don't, you need to listen harder. Do I know who they're talking about right now? Okay, these are simple questions, right? Somebody's talking, and so you're, you're, and this is just you. You're just in your own head. Like, well, well, do I know who they're talking about right now? If you don't, you need to listen harder. Force it. Make it happen. It's like exercise. You know, you're laying on the couch, you're not going to exercise, all right? You got to get up and do something about it. Well, your mental exercise requires some effort. And you got to wake it up out of the slumber and do something about it. 
You just have to. And so I want to get better at talking. You got to talk. I want to get better at listening. You got to listen. I want to get better at seeing what's going on around me and paying attention. Well, you got to pay attention. And you have to force yourself, discipline yourself to do those things. I know this sounds so silly to some of you, but it's such a real thing. It's such a real thing. If you didn't grow up valuing relationships, you're probably not good at a lot of these things. Probably not. And, and by valuing, I'm not just saying give lip service to, I'm saying really valuing relationships, valuing people, valuing the, the, the people in your life or the people that are around you. And, and you're taught that young, young, young. You know, I, I thank God for my grandfather because I lived with him the first part of my life, and he really valued people, and I learned that. You know, I didn't pop out of my mom's womb valuing people. All right? I, I didn't. Nobody does. I was taught that by a guy who actually did. That that went beyond the call of duty. That, that would do things that would be something that cost him in order to help them. And that was not just every now and then. It was a daily occurrence because that's who he was. And, uh, and I'll tell you something, this, this is kind of a tangent, but there's a guy that, I mean, I, I can't even describe the type of servant's heart that he had, but I know when he died, and he never passed through a church that was real big, he was out in the middle of the country, it was whatever, he, he had, uh, once he retired from pastoring the church, 40 years pastoring the church, he, he just went to a church that was closer to the house, and just serving as a Sunday school teacher. And I'll tell you, when that guy died, because I preached his funeral, so I was there, there were so many people that the church couldn't contain the people that came to his funeral to pay their respects. And here's a guy with a sixth grade education, had failed the GED probably three times, and wasn't because of his smarts, wasn't because of any other thing, it was because he knew how to love people and serve them, and people remember that and appreciate it. And so there's a set of values that are laid down early. And if they weren't laid down early or ever, then it's on you. It's on you to begin to look for those types of opportunities to build that value system in your life. To begin to look at people differently, begin to appreciate things about people differently, to, to put yourself in situations where you can serve people at a cost to you. I'm not talking about serving people when it's convenient. I'm talking about serving people when it costs you something. Because there's something giving and important, life-giving about that. So Moses... didn't really have that free and fluent expression of ideas. And likely it had a lot to do with him just being out of practice. I mean, he was educated in the court of Pharaoh. He had the best education around. It wasn't that he didn't know things. 
It wasn't that he wasn't taught things. He just hadn't put anything into practice for a lot of years. And so now it was time. It's time to put it into practice, and he just couldn't do it. He was stammering, and he was slow of speech, and he wasn't able to get his ideas out. And what's interesting about it is he's telling God all about it. He's telling God all about it. God's called him, right? And he's telling God all about it, why he can't do it. And there's probably legitimate stuff in there. He probably was and, and likely was. We, we have reason to believe he was slow of speech. We have every reason to believe that he didn't have a real free and fluent expression of ideas. And that could be a real hindrance when you're trying to talk to Pharaoh, right? You know, you're representing God. And you're supposed to go in there and you're supposed to, to share and you're supposed to tell him about what's happening. And, and you're just standing there and you can't put together words and ideas. I mean, that could be a real hindrance. And so he was telling God about it. God overruled him. Overruled. Yeah, but, 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 but however his problem was, he couldn't express it. Overruled. Sit. That was it. Now, I know you don't think of Moses this way. But Moses... And different parts of his responses to God express three qualities. These three qualities. Cowardice, sloth, and unbelief. Cowardice, sloth, and unbelief. He expressed those three qualities when he was talking to God. And I know you don't think of Moses that way. We don't think of Moses that way. Moses, the mighty prophet of God. Moses... Deliverer of Israel, Moses, the administrator of millions, Moses. You know, I mean, we think, you know, he's in the movies. I mean, Charlton Heston, right? Moses! Yeah, cowardice, sloth, and unbelief. Those are three characteristics. They were in him. And I know, you know, we, we always try to disqualify ourselves from everything. Well, not always, but sometimes. If it looks like it's going to be real hard, well, I'm just not qualified for that. Oh, that looks a little too dangerous. I don't think that's for me. Or we could be very self, uh, you know, looking down on ourselves and say, well, you know, I'm pretty lazy. Or I, I'm kind of a coward. Or I don't think I have enough faith for that. And we're disqualified. Well, See, Moses expressed all of those things. He was giving it a good shot. He was giving it a good shot to disqualify himself or try to disqualify himself from the service that God had called him to because it's going to be dangerous. Yeah, it's dangerous. I'm going to go appear before Pharaoh and tell him to let these people, let the slaves go that he has working for him. Does that sound like a good idea? I mean, seriously? I mean, Pharaoh could just say, that's it. Moses and Aaron, that's it. It's, it's dangerous. It was a dangerous thing. And so he was trying to get himself out of it. I mean, he, he showed himself for who he was. But, you know, you know what's really interesting? Is that this is God's response to that. And, and this is the response I want you to hear from God. Is that his response to that was, number one, he, uh, your Objection. You're overruled. 
Alright, so you're slothful, you're cowardice, you're coward, and you have unbelief in your life. Overruled. Because God knew that when he called him, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He knew exactly who he was. And what's important to us is that we make sure, and I want you to make sure you see that. I want you to make sure you see that God sees who Moses really is. That when Moses was revealing himself, when Moses was saying, okay, these are my problems, these are my problem areas, I'm disqualified, just move on to somebody else. God already knew those problem areas. He already knew his weaknesses. He already knew where he had failed. He already knew all of that stuff. All of it. He knew it already. But he called him anyway. And whatever's in your head, and I don't know what's in your head, that disqualifies you somehow. Well, what disqualifies you? I don't know. I can't even begin to answer that because anytime Moses brought something up, learn from this. Anytime he brought something up, God overruled it. I'm slow of speech. That's legit. He's slow of speech. He has trouble expressing his ideas. That is a legit problem for a spokesman for God. Legitimate. Overruled. I'm afraid. Overruled. Yeah, all right. I'm kind of lazy, God. I really don't want to do this. Overruled. I don't have a lot of faith. I don't even know why you're calling me. I can't even believe for this. Overruled. So, learning from Moses, you got these issues that are going on. He's trying to talk God out of it, and God just says he doesn't care. And then he gives this explanation. And, and this is the, the explanation that I, I want you to, to think about here. Because think about Jesus. I mean, were they, were they great orators? I mean, do we have any idea that, that they had been trained or that they were somehow really good spokesmen? I mean, you think about, like, in the Bible, when you get into the New Testament, think about the guy Apollos. Remember him? He was a contemporary of Paul, and he, was one, he would go out and he would preach the gospel, and people would come to know he was preaching the gospel in the book of Acts. Uh, but only knew of the baptism of John, so he was preaching the gospel, and then people were being baptized in water. But he was a, an evangelist. And so he went about and he did the work that God called him to do. But what's interesting about Apollos is that whenever he's mentioned, or a lot of times when he's mentioned, it talks about how great a speaker he was, that he was eloquent of speech, which makes me wonder, all the other guys that were out there, like the apostles and Paul. I mean, Paul was so bad. Didn't he put a guy to sleep and the guy fell to his death? <laughs> Wasn't he that bad? Yeah. And, and so you, you get this like idea. It's like this guy, Apollos, was a really good speaker. Like He could really get an idea out there. And it's mentioned a few times that that's what he was. So you think about the rest of those guys that were doing it. Probably not that good. If you're going to point out this other guy's awesome, they probably weren't that good going into it. They were fishermen. I mean, what, what do fishermen talk to? Same people shepherds do, right? I mean, seriously, nobody. And so the, you had these fishermen, you had, you know, the, the, whoever they were coming for, it's like these messengers. All right, the, the idea of these messengers that, that Jesus had called, they weren't gifted speakers, but they were empowered of the Holy Spirit. 
And that's more than an equalizer. God, God took them and he empowered them and then he used them. Not because they had a natural gifting. He just overruled it. He just overruled, overruled. I don't really talk so good, God. Overruled. I don't know big words or anything. Overruled. I'm not a real guy. I don't really understand theology. Overruled. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. These guys were uneducated. These guys didn't speak very well. These guys didn't have a ton of experience. These guys had all kinds of problems. Overruled. Overruled. So God responds to Moses. And he asked these questions. He said, well, who made the mouth? In fact, he goes down the whole list, you know, talking about the blind, the deaf, and the mute. That's the list that goes down. And he makes the point here. He, he makes the, the uh, he, he lists the senses, and he says these senses are from God. That, that's what he's saying. They're all from him. Perfections and imperfections are from God. And that's what he wanted to make clear to Moses. Perfection and imperfection are from God in his creation. Because I, I want to share something with you, and I want you to think about this for a second, because this flies in the face of a little bit of theology you were probably taught when you were young. God makes imperfect things. That doesn't mean he's not perfect. He makes imperfect things. How do you know that? Because of you. <laughs> All right? I, you don't even need to go any further than that. Or you think about, just look around as creation. I mean, what's perfect? And what's that definite, what definition would you even have of that? What is perfect? And, and so he makes things that aren't perfect. And so you think about the senses, and this is what he's taking ownership of. He's taking ownership, ownership of the senses. Perfections, imperfections, all of those things. But I want you to hear this. He can change them as he sees fit. Because he owns them all. He can change them as he sees fit because he owns them all. He's the creator. So for the deaf, he gives the hearing ear, which he does. He gives the hearing ear, but he also gives the deaf ear. And when would it be an advantageous to have a deaf ear? When? Hmm? Who said, I, I, there were like three different ones. I, didn't, I couldn't even catch one of them. Who said something? You did. Who was it? Who said one? Who wants one? Who said it? You say it? Layla, did you say it? I said lots of times. Okay, like, give me an example. Um, crazy people are screaming in the streets or throwing off fireworks for no reason. Okay. That's a, that's a good time. How about when the accuser of the brethren starts talking to you? Yeah, the devil, that's kind of his job. So he gets about his business. He gets about his job. He, you know, and he's accusing the brethren day and night. He's accusing you. He gets around to you. Starts accusing you. That's a good one to throw the deaf ear at, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Sit. I want to hear that. I want to hear that noise. What's another good time? Anybody? Think about it. Hmm? Rude people. What are rude people going to do for you? Nothing. <laughs> Get you angry, right? Yeah. Throw up a deaf ear, man. God creates the hearing ear, but he also creates the deaf ear. So I want you to hold on to that. He creates a speaking mouth, or he can shut it. When's a good time to have your mouth shut? You don't have anything to say, man. You don't have anything to say. Shut it. What else? When else? Good time to have a mouth that's shut. It could be time to listen. That's right. Shut your mouth and listen up. That's correct. And and then you, then the eye, you know, all the senses are from him. He can he can change them as he can see fit. But I mean, even the eye sometimes it's good to have an open eye. He gives the open eye, but also sometimes our eyes are closed. They just are. And and sometimes we want our eyes closed. You ever close your eyes so you can hear something better? Like a lot of times when I'm listening to classical music, I'll close my eyes like I'm in a concert. And I know it seems like I'm going to sleep, but I'm really closing my eyes to listen. Or even at an opera, sometimes I'll do that. I'll close my eyes so I can just listen to what's going on. I just hear it. And And we want to enhance one sense Sometimes we'll close our eyes. I mean, you think about when you pray. Why do people close their eyes when they pray? You know, focus it, right? Got something to say, but more importantly to me, I'm going to focus on what I'm hearing. I see what God is saying. All right, so all of those senses, everything I just mentioned or what he mentioned, he opens the eyes, he closes the eyes. He opens the ears, he closes the ears. He, he opens the mouth, he closes the mouth but what can't he do he can do anything right he does everything and those are all within his power to affect they're all within his power to to do something about every single one of them and he ends the whole thing with the phrase he said i i the lord and that's what he's making clear to moses what he's making clear to moses is that he is the lord and he does and can and does whatever he wants. And so, let's, for example, we, we go and we want to pray for somebody for healing. All right? The, the issue isn't us trying harder. Okay? That's never the issue with praying for people for healing. And, and realizing that God does what he wants. And God can do anything. And he's Lord of speaking and mute. He's Lord of blind and seeing. He's Lord of deaf and hearing. And he can change those things at will at any point. What we find ourselves doing is agreeing with him, whatever it is. And that's what I want to encourage you toward when you're praying for people for healing. Now, Moses may have had a hand. In, in what was going on with him. What do I mean by that? Go to verse 13. Somebody read Exodus 4.13. Exodus 4.13. 
So Moses took an attitude, took a perspective. Moses took on a way of seeing himself and a way of seeing life where he just gave himself over to the poverty that he had in speech. He just did. And I find it interesting that he gave himself over to that and we have no reason to believe that it ever changed in his life afterward. And, and I don't see anybody arguing with him. I don't see anybody saying, no, don't do that, Moses. You're just, you're just making yourself you know, this way for the rest of your life. I don't see anybody saying that to him. But I want to say it to you. I want to say it to you that, that when we take that which is deficient in us, and it may like legitimately be deficient in us, I would rather err on the side, and, and I just want to say this, I'd rather err on the side of God's bounty to fill me up in the areas where I'm deficient than to just give up. And I want to encourage you toward God's bounty tonight. I want to encourage you towards God's bounty in your life, and I want to encourage you towards God's bounty in the lives of the people that are around you. That whatever the sense is that, that is, is deficient, God has a bounty for that. And, and he could change that in the twinkling of an eye. In a moment, he can change it. It's all within his power, and it's all within his right, and it's all within his ownership, and it's all within his purposes. And there is a bounty to be drawn from in those areas. Moses, it appears to me, shut the bounty. Because that phrase there in the original language is a rude statement by every account that I've read. He made a rude statement to God. Why don't you just go and get somebody else? Well, God had chosen him. God chosen him. But he, he couldn't speak, right? He had deficiencies, right? Well, God had a bounty to fix that. Is that a problem for God? The supply for that? No. No. It's not a problem. At all. Easy. Easy. It's it, it's so within his grasp, so within that moment to do that, that we can't even understand it. It's so easy. You know, we make it hard somehow, or we try to make it difficult, or it, it seems like it's worth more if we're making it real difficult. I mean, you ever pray over people? When I was on the road, man, I learned I learned a lesson. When I was out praying over people at churches and stuff like that, I got to make it look a little hard so that people's faith could be activated. When in the reality of it, I knew in my heart of hearts, it's so easy. Don't even try. Don't even try. I wasted so much effort making it look hard. So much. Somebody asked me, say, hey, can you pray for this? Sure. And it's done. 
And I've seen people, so many people healed like that. If they just come in faith and they receive in faith, there's no need for the other. And yet, we have this expectation somehow built into us. Wow, we better make it look hard because this is a big deal to me. So it must be a big deal to God. So I need somebody hopping on one foot, slap me in the head to make it happen. No. It's not, not how it works, really. It's just how we want it to work. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, good. Forget I'm talking about it. If you do know what I'm talking about, don't be mad at me. Don't. But just understand that we serve a God that he exists in bounty, 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 and has more than enough right now for you. More than enough. And if you need to hop on one foot and do what you need to do to release that, more power to you. I, I don't think you need to, but if in your heart you need to, then get to it. I won't even make fun of you. I won't. Because I just want to see you receive everything God has for you. I really do. I, I just want to, instead of giving up, I'd rather see you receive. Instead of being rude, I'd rather see you receive. Because there's a whole bounty that God has for you. And so God calls people with less advantage. I'm talking about us. He calls people with less advantage. And the reason he does that is so that his grace can be more obvious. I can make that a different word, but obvious is a good word. He wants his grace to be obvious. That's why he called you, me. Because it, our deficiencies are glaring, our deficiencies are obvious, our deficiencies are clear to people, and yet God uses us. How does he use us? By his grace. And he wants that to be an obvious fact in our lives. That's why it's not just the super talented. That's why it's not just the people that can speak really well. It's not just the people that, that are the best musicians. It's not just the people that can sing the best. It's not just the people that, that are only the miracle workers. It's not just the people that are the best evangelists. You know, it's us. It's us. And the reason it's us is because God wants it obvious it's by grace. Period. So that more people like us will feel comfortable coming on in and joining up. That's why he does it. That's why he's called us. That's why we're not a church and in, 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 in the I'm talking about the worldwide church and the church of superstars. It's just not. It's just people. It's just people. And that's how he wants it. That's how he wants you. That's how he wants me. That's how he wants us. And so he calls those that, yeah, that have less advantage. And, and you know what? I want to also encourage you to be careful not to judge Moses because that's kind of dangerous to judge Moses. Because, I mean, we can look and say, well, he showed all those bad characteristics. Well, so do you. How many less dangerous things have you turned down? Right? And I don't mean that. I'm not judging you for it either. I'm just saying we don't want to judge Moses because 
He, you know, if put in the same position, I don't know how many of us would have made any different decision or said anything differently than what he said. I don't know how many of us would have jumped at the opportunity to go throw our necks on the line with the most powerful guy in the known world. I don't know. Maybe somebody would have, but uh, careful, careful when you start judging people like that. God leaves us in here so that we're encouraged. God leaves details about Moses' life so we don't look at him and say, well, that guy, he, well, he is just a, a superstar, full of faith guy. Well, he wasn't. He wasn't. He was a stuttering old guy who couldn't put his thoughts together, who was a coward, who was lazy, and who was dealing with unbelief in his life. That's who he was. God called him. And so then you look at the life of Moses from this point on. You know what you see in big letters? Grace. That's what you see. I mean, he administrated a million people across the wilderness for 40 years. This guy stood up to the most powerful man in their known world. This guy, signs, wonders, miracles, led uh, military campaigns. You know, 40 years as a, as a shepherd does not qualify you to lead military campaigns? Do you know that? 40 years as a shepherd does not qualify you to be the religious, spiritual leader of a million people? It doesn't. 40 years as a shepherd doesn't teach you how to move a million people across a wilderness. It does not. It doesn't teach you how to judge people. It doesn't teach you how to, to, to be an administrator. It doesn't teach you how to do any of the things that he had to do as they were going across the wilderness. Grace. 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 And that, and that, is the lesson of Moses is grace. Yeah, he's a great prophet. Yeah, he was. He's a great leader. Yep. Miracle worker. He's all those things. The lawgiver. He was. Did all that stuff. But it was all by grace. All of it. And so Aaron. Think about Aaron. Aaron got added to Moses. Once Moses cut off the bounty, he cut off the bounty, but did the call remain? Did it? God's gifts and calling are without repentance. All right? So the call remained. So what he did was God brought forth his brother, Aaron, and brought the two of them together to get the job done. He completed what needed to be completed. When the bounty was cut off, he brought those two together to get the job done. And there's something to be said about that in the nature of how God calls us all together, all of us, to work together as his body. There's something powerful about that. So, his gifts and calling are about repentance. That means every time you come up with an excuse, you're overruled. Every time you say why you're disqualified, you're overruled. You just, you're overruled. And you will continue to be overruled. Even if you cut yourself off from the bounty that God has, which Moses did, he was still overruled. And God provided for that lack through his brother. And the two of them became that complete unit to go and to speak to Pharaoh and to get the job done. 
And so whatever it is that God calls you to, there's a bounty there for you if you want it. But even if you were to cut yourself off, I'm not saying do that. I'm saying even if you were to cut yourself off from that, he would still provide for you and still make a way. Still do it. And that's exactly what he did for Moses. Grace. Grace. We need each other. We need each other. Because Aaron could speak, right? Well, why didn't God just take Aaron and send him? Well, he was missing something else. He was missing something that Moses was going to provide. What was that? I don't know. I don't know. But something. Because even in his eloquence, even in his ability to speak, even in the, the he, he was a, he had a fluency to his speech and could share his ideas, but even in that, he just didn't have the right ideas maybe. Or he didn't have an ear for God the way that Moses did, or, or whatever it was. I, don't, I can't even speculate it, but I want you to think about it, that Aaron wasn't sent, even though he was a great speaker. Well, it wasn't the fact that Moses was, wasn't a great speaker that would disqualify him, because it didn't disqualify him, but it wasn't the fact that Aaron was a great speaker that qualified him, because it didn't. And so by God's grace, they were brought together. And they were sent forth and they got the job done. We need each other. We need each other. Because I'd like to say here, you know, none of us have ever cut ourselves off from the bounty that God has. But I know we have. I'd like to say none of us have ever, you know, made a bad decision and, and walked the other way or been rude to God. But I know we have. That's not the end of the story, people. That's really the start of a great story. It's the start of a great story because God has brought us together for something great and something better and something more powerful than we could have done alone. So Moses and Aaron got it done. Got it done. And whoever it is or whatever it is that God's called you to, you've been overruled. It's time to get it done. Does that mean God's going to call somebody with you? Maybe. Or maybe he's going to heal you. Or maybe he's going to do a miracle in your life. But you've been overruled. And no matter what happens, it's going to be by grace that it's going to take place. And it's by grace that it's going to be successful. It's by grace that it's going to go forward. It's by grace that it's going to get done, regardless of what it is or how it gets done. I do know that. Does anybody have any questions or comments? I haven't taken any questions or comments in a little bit. So anything you want to say? Anything weird about that? Yeah. I just think that God's bounty would make a great commercial just because he's proper. That's so true. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Now here's a question. What what was Jesus when he was uh rebuking demons and casting out demons for people to be able to see and to hear and to speak? What do you think that was about? Because that's kind of interesting. 
Hmm? Okay. What else? It's good. I mean, it was a faith builder. I mean, people could see this is God. He's more powerful than the devil. Right? Yeah. But he was exercising. I want you to think about this. He was exercising God's ownership every time he did that. It's like, it's like you know, you get squatters on the land. They say you have undeveloped land. And so you get some people, they come in, they start squatting on the land. Well, there may come a time where you want to use that land. And so you've got to come and you've got to exercise your rights as the owner of that land and kick them out. All right? And so when I, I look at things like that and I look at the work of Jesus, and I think he probably had this attitude that these are squatters on my father's land. This all belongs to him. Get out. Get out. And they did. They did. Anybody else? Right. Anything that's in us, as long as we're not cutting ourselves off, the bounty is more than able to bring healing, wholeness, deliverance, change. I mean, that's the hope. That's the power. That's the grace. Yeah. All right. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thanks for just loving us, and I thank you that you have provision for us in our lives. And I thank you for Moses, and, and what a great example of, of just being a person, uh, of just being a man he is. Uh, he was who he was. He lived the way that he lived. There were things about him that weren't perfect. There were things about him that were lacking things about him that were a result of his own choices or his own decisions or whatever it was or lack thereof. And yet you called him for your reasons and your purposes. And not only did you call him, you provided for him. You used him and he got the job done. So Lord, uh, objections, he had plenty, but they were overruled. Excuses, he had lots, but they were overruled. And I thank you for that. I thank you that you call us and we're deficient. I thank you that you call us and we're lacking. Just as the apostles were lacking, just as your disciples were lacking, just as the early church was lacking. And yet, they changed the world by your grace. And so I just want to say thanks, God. Thanks for your grace. Thanks for your bounty. Thanks is all big enough, all huge enough, all powerful enough. Thank you.
that you call us to be world changers, not because of us, but because of you. I thank you that that grace is so big, you could take us right to the ends of the earth. I thank you that grace is so big that you could take us right into the courts of kings and queens. I thank you that grace is so big that you can use us to influence the, the, the ways that nations will go or regions of the world. I thank you that grace is so huge that regardless of where we've come from, regardless of of the things that we may or may not know, you are more than able to use us. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, I pray you'd encourage our hearts tonight. I ask God the excuses would stop. I pray that any, any tendency in us to be rude to you because of your call or because of the vision that you put on our life would end. And I pray, Father, we would find rest and peace in your love and in your grace. Fill us with hope. Fill us with vision. I pray you'd use us to get the job done. We give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.